Hello and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode 15, which we're recording on Monday, July 9th. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And we're once again recording a little bit in advance. So if we talk about objects that you have seen us posting finished objects pictures a couple weeks before <laughs> the podcast, that's why it's like pre-recording magic. <laughs> So Charlene, what are you wearing today that's so pretty? What am I wearing? I am wearing my Lila's cardigan, which was designed by Hilary Smith Callis and published in April of 2012. My version is knit in Madeline Tosh vintage yarn in the flash dance color. And if you haven't seen the pattern, it has a big floppy collar which is kind of the the main feature of it and floppy in a good way yeah what i was gonna say when i say big floppy collar no it's not ugly floppy obviously it's very <laughs> stylishly floppy exactly and collar you can wear a couple of different ways and i tend to wear my sweater over t-shirts it's also a short sweater so i wear long t-shirts that kind of poke out the bottom and I love this sweater. It's super cute. And it's short-sleeved. <laughs> it's short-sleeved. Um, as with many sweaters on Ravelry, you can see long sleeve variations, three-quarter length sleeve variations, longer sweater length variations, etc., etc. Now, is it an A-line? It almost looks like it gets wider, or is it just the way you know, I it's sitting at the moment? I don't remember... Because it doesn't it, really look like is, an A-line when you're standing up so much. So yeah, it's probably just the way you're sitting in I think in the it chair. might just be the way I have it closed as yeah. well. And the fact that it's shorter and it just hangs that way. It's super cute, though. It's The colorway is mostly a deep jewel dark purple with splashes of bright, pretty pink in it. So yeah. it's a really pretty colorway. Really nice. Yeah, you know how I love my purples. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think it's a great pattern. And let's see, Hillary Smith Callis is the designer of the Citron yep. shawl, shawlette, which we talked about several episodes back. And Actually, we recorded it as a special segment, but we haven't included it in the podcast oh. yet, so it'll be coming up in another <laughs> oh, week well, or we so. we talked about it. Uh, at some point, I thought. Well, we also so. did in our polls, what do you want to oh, hear us okay. talk about? Okay. Citron okay. was the highest rated accessory oh, okay. item. So you will hear us talk exactly. about that at some point. Uh, very nice. Also a very nice pattern. Very popular. Well, if I remember correctly, the Citron pattern was very well written. That was a nitty pattern. That was nitty, Was this correct. one well written as well? Yes, it was. Great. It was. And actually... I believe she had an update to the pattern not too long ago as well, which it may have just been a cosmetic update, but I don't recall any issues with following the pattern or any mistakes, errata, that kind of thing. I think it was very well written, and it's also a top-down sweater, knit pearl, basic increases, basic decreases. I'm trying to remember if there were any other special techniques. I don't believe so. Well, and if I remember correctly, you finished that one pretty quickly and it didn't require that much yarn, right? I think it was only three skeins right, of so the vintage. 
which would be 600 yards. Could that be correct? Yeah, I think that they're about 200 yards of skein. I'd have to double check, so don't quote me on that. That sounds like very little yarn. But. No, but I seem to remember being surprised that it used such a small amount of yarn. So Yeah, and the vintage does knit up at a larger gauge, so that would amount for some of it. But I think that for me, what that my mental note with that was, oh, if I have just an odd assortment of a few skeins yeah. of worsted yeah. weight yarn, yeah. that's a sweater possibility mm-hmm. for it. Definitely. So I would probably rank this sweater in the range of probably intermediate to experienced beginner. Okay. Would it, don't you think? I think it's pretty basic. Well, I haven't knit it, but sitting across from you, I don't see anything <laughs> remarkable. There are no cables. There are no. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there isn't a lace pattern of any sort. So. Yeah. So, how about you, Gail? What I, are you wearing? I'm wearing my Laika. Well, honestly, I have to tell the truth. I'm really not wearing it at the moment <laughs> because it's more like 80 degrees in here where we're recording. But this weekend, I tackled the zipper on my Laika. As you've heard me talk about, I wasn't very happy with the installation of my zipper that I did. It was my first zipper ever. So, you untackled I, the zipper. Exactly. <laughs> I, I undid it. So, I took the zipper off. And I redid it with hook and eye closures. I did 15 hook and eye combos down the front of the sweater. I love the look of sweaters closing with hook and eye. I actually really like it. It kind of, it does have the little gaps between the hook and eye closures. But because of the hook and eye closure, it looks like it's supposed to be that way. So it does still have like, I don't want to call them puckers. They're like a reverse pucker. They're a vertical pucker. Okay. What would you call those? That I was the know. problem I was having with my <laughs> zipper where it like bunches up. Oh, yeah. But yeah. it looks like it's supposed to be that way. And now what I couldn't do with my zipper is I couldn't just have it fastened like over my bust line and down towards my waist and then have it open at the bottom. But of course now I can do that because I can just leave some hook right. and eyes open and some closed. So it gives it a lot more have versatility. A lot of choices on yeah. air conditioning. <laughs> yes, exactly. How much warmth or lack of warmth yeah. do I want? So so far I've not been wearing it much because I just finished the hook and eye closures this morning and it's too warm to really wear it around today. But I'm hoping it will also help to solve my problem of the sweater sliding down my shoulders due to the weight of the hood mm-hmm. because now I can fasten it up higher to counterbalance that. So I'm very like, excited about that. And I like how light hook and eye closures are. They are. And now when we say hook and eye closures, these aren't any special sweater fastenings. These are just go to the sewing store and pick up your basic hook and eye closures that come in probably like black, a, white, yeah. and silver. And there were 16 to a package. Yeah. And I think they were only, Dritz brand or right, something. And yeah. they're only, they're very inexpensive. Yeah, maybe very $3. Inex- yeah, very inexpensive. And you can get them in multiple sizes. But the nice thing is that they are just so light and add almost no weight to your sweater. Easy to sew on. They can be an afterthought closure because they don't require pre-thought or pre-measuring for buttonholes and what was I going to say oh I just like the versatility that you mentioned that you can have one section closed one section open (laughs) well and Laika for those of you who don't know is a pattern that's designed for two rows of buttons down the button band and I decided to do a zipper originally because I like the look of Kelly Jomo's version Mm -hmm. and because I didn't like the way the zipper went in, 
my choices I felt were limited. I could either do some kind mm-hmm. of clasp, but after buying a couple clasps, I realized that it wasn't just going to work to have a few. I really needed to have something that went all the way down the front of the sweater. So then I went through my box of notions and found the hook and eyes. And you and I had had that conversation last week and you mm-hmm. said that that's what you used on your Candelia. So I found my hook and eyes and I had just enough in my box. Oh, so nice. I plotted it all out on Saturday and started sewing them on Sunday. And besides the fact that I thought I was going to go blind because the hook and <laughs> eyes are black, my sweater is a very dark burgundy color and the thread was black. So I was hunched way over and really squinting my eyes and trying to do, you know, fine sewing, which is not my strength anyways, but I am really happy so far with how it turned out. So that's what I'm almost wearing today. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing that I was trying to remember to say too, is that they're almost invisible, which is really nice if you have a sweater that you don't want to have flashy closures or you don't want the closures to be the main focal point of the front of your sweater. Mm -hmm. These, it'll keep your sweater closed. You sew them on on the inside and you almost don't see them. Yeah. Very nice. I realized after I was done sewing mine on that a couple towards the bottom, I did have poking out beyond the button band, Mm. which I may go back and and tuck those in a little bit farther because as I sewed more more of them on, I really indented them into the button band so that you couldn't see them on purpose. So I may have to go back and fine tune a couple of the placements, but we'll see. I remember when I was learning to sew those on, somebody taught me, my sewing teacher at the time, I guess, that yeah, you do indent them a little bit so that you're fabric meets almost invisibly rather than having a slight gap between your fabric where you see the hook and eye closure. That's what I realized after trying it on after (laughs) having done the first bottom four sets. I realized, oh, this isn't really how I'm going to want it to be, so I'm going to indent the rest. And it fits tighter over my hips anyways, so Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm going to change the bottom ones or not, but... I am so far happy with the results. Okay. So there we go. I did a, I can't call it a repair because it wasn't really broken, but it was kind of broken because I wasn't wearing a sweater <laughs> and I really liked the sweater. So it I'm really was, excited. It was an upgrade. The, oh, the one thing I did think about in terms of the hook and eye closures, because you have the hooks on one side, I'm going to have to be really careful when I handle my sweater so that I don't oh, snag it with the hooks. Yeah. You know, I have 15 potential snagging things that's just hanging true. there on the side yeah, of the sweater. So that's true. And this is fingering that's weight yarn, point. so it will be easy. And as you all have heard me say, I'm famous for snagging my sweater. So <laughs> that was the one thing I thought of instantly was, oh boy, be careful. Handle this with care. Well, it looks great. I think Thank it'll you. hold up fabulously. I hope so too. So and I'll let you know as it progresses. And are you going to travel with the sweater? I am going to travel with it. So you'll hear in a moment about my packing. And yes, the reason for the urgency this weekend of finishing this was so that I could bring it and have a fairly versatile sweater to wear in different climates. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So what are you stalking this week? Well, seeing as it hasn't been that long (laughs) since we we recorded recorded, a week ago, which is I'm still kind of stalking a lot of the same items. One of them that I mentioned last week was Walpole. And since last week, 
I've actually been gifted the pattern by my <laughs> lovely podcasting partner, Gail. Thank you, Gail. You're welcome. And I have found a yarn that I think is going to work. Oh, it, I think so, too. <laughs> it is, once again, a Madeline Tosh yarn, Tosh Merino Light. And can I back us up just a second? Absolutely. Part of the reason for this is here at the Swift Stitch, they got a new shipment of Madeline Tosh <laughs> last week. Charlene texted me as soon as she got to work Thursday morning and said, big box of Madeline Tosh, beautiful colors. And I think my response <laughs> is something to the effect of, I'll be right there. So I told my husband, I have to go to the store. There's a new box of Madeline Tosh. And he said, okay, see you later. He knows exactly what that means. So lots of beautiful colors. So, yeah. yeah. So one of the colors that I have actually had my eye on previously is called William Morris. And I also like William Morris designs in real life. So that doesn't hurt either. But So tell us who is William Morris because I didn't know. Well, he designed a lot of prints and things in the arts and crafts era. So in particular, what I like are these tiles that he designed and in the, this color of Madeline Tosh called William Morris, it's got little, little spots of these green tiles and the background is brown. And like there's a just, chocolate rich brown. Yeah, a very warm brown. Yeah. And so there's just these little tiny spots, little hints of it almost. And I, I've i seen different dye lots that have more more of the green. So I think it, you know, it just depends on your dye lot as always. But this particular color or this particular yarn, I think will look really nice as the Walpole sweater. I think so too. <laughs> so I'm also stocking something to make in Madeline Tosh sock yarn. Once again, another fingering weight project or sweater. I have several skeins in the Pop Rocks colorway. And I'm just smiling so hard over here because <laughs> Pop Rocks is so pretty. It's really bright pink, just like it sounds. But it's one of those colors that I keep telling people, I don't know. When I look at it, I just smile. Yep, exactly. You get, I dare you to not smile. <laughs> you would just have to hate the color well, pink. Which some, how can you hate the color some pink? people would probably smile because they would be laughing at me. Yeah, but, you know, it it makes me smile and it feeds my inner happy. So <laughs> <laughs> I like that description. It feeds my inner happy. So I am looking for something to make with that, and I was even talking with Gail about possibly making another Laika, which sounds crazy since I haven't finished my first one. You'll hear about that later, but I do have to just toss out there that a lot of people who've made that sweater have now made multiples of it, and knit, being one of the people currently knitting it, I think I understand. There's something about the sweater. It compels you. It does. <laughs> it's funny. It does. Um, other considerations for fingering white yarn. I'm still looking at Flaming June. I mentioned that as stocking it, I think when the pattern first came out mm -hmm. in the spring summer issue of Knitty. That would be this year, 2012. I love that one too. And I still like that sweater and it's still a possibility. It's still in my queue. Yeah, I, I love it. And it's definitely still on my radar, whether it's this yarn, whether it's this summer. 
not sure yet. And then Gail found another one for me called the Zest Cardigan, which I just remembered the name of, and I apologize because I do not know the name of the designer, and I forgot to look that up. Here, I'll look it up on my iPhone. While oh, you're okay. About it. <laughs> well, I, I don't really have that much to say about it other than it's a lace cardigan in fingering weight yarn. And it reminded me of, we were looking at the Pop Rocks sock, and Charlene was saying, oh, I wonder what I should knit with it. And I said, oh, well, have you seen, or actually, I think I went home and compiled a list yeah, of possibilities yeah, for you. Yeah. And the Zest Cardigan was on it, and it reminds me a lot of Laika, only, of course, it doesn't have a hood, and it doesn't fasten with the buttons. It's more an open front cardigan, yeah. but very similar all over lace, and it has some really nice design features in my opinion it has a very pretty waist detail and i think yes. it has a down the side of the waist detail. and in the back cutting across the yes. lower back it That's has by... a little cable gathered detail which i thought was very nice and it's by jennifer thompson thank so now, you now i'm looking at the picture and it's just it's a really cute little cardigan so that's a possibility for anyone who has fingering weight yarn that's screaming for a cute <laughs> little cardigan to morph into. Okay. And what about you, Gail? What are you stocking? I'm not stocking. I'm packing. So <laughs> this is a different focus for me this week. I leave in, what, 36 hours yeah. for five weeks out of the country. So I'm really, really excited. With a family of four, we have lots of details to cover, oh, lots yeah. of things to pack, lots of considerations, and top of Gail's list of radar issues is have to have the right knitting the packs. Right knitting. Well, plus you're also going to be doing some work while you're there, too, so yeah. you have to pack work things. You have a lot to think of. Yeah, that's a whole other category that's a of whole, organization, yeah, yeah. you know, the power cord, the adapter, right, the this, right, the that. Right, but it's just a lot to organize. Lots of, lots of, lots of lists. Yeah. <laughs> so my packing list for all of my knitting fun on the airplane i am going to have the christian's hat by anya's kutas Seeds. i'm sure i didn't pronounce that correctly it's a free pattern on ravelry it's a very nice worsted weight hat so it's something small i can tuck into my carry-on i'm going to use one of the red heart soft skeins in the turquoise colorway got that all packed up in a project bag today with the needles I'm also going to bring the Lar cardigan, which is by Gudrun Johnson. Because of the new shipment of Madeline Tosh yarn that arrived, I <clears throat> acquired two skeins of Madeline Tosh lace in the Morning Dove colorway. Love I had, it. It's so pretty. It's a light blue and gray mix. It looks like, like a Morning Dove. Morning Doves. Yeah. I mean, every. I think Morning Doves are all over the U.S. at least. I think they're... You could look up a picture on the internet yeah. of a morning dove and yeah. pretty much figure out the color of this colorway. It's, and it's, it's one beautiful. of those... Yeah, it's one of those birds that you kind of look at them from a different angle. Or a different light. Yeah, and you think, are they blue? Are they gray? Are they blue? Are they? And they just kind of reflect differently. And the yarn really reflects that. Yeah, it captures it. Really does. It. Yeah. So I had swatched... Okay, my plan with the Lark cardigan. You start from the bottom up, there's a pico edge at the bottom, and then it's about 13 inches of stockinette, which is a lot of stitches per row of stockinette because the sweater gathers in at the high bust, so it's an A-line mm -hmm. sweater from the bottom up. So that means a lot of stockinette stitching 
that I won't have to be trying the sweater on as I go because it's mm -hmm. just straight rows. You don't even have to factor in trying it on. So perfect airplane knitting. I don't even have to think. I just go, 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 go. Yeah, and it is. it is a cardigan, but I, I'm almost 100% certain I will adapt it to knitting it in the round because I never will wear it as a cardigan. I will wear it as a pullover right. over a tank top or a t-shirt. Three-quarter length sleeves. Um, like I said, it's an A-line, so it gathers in at the waist with some nice little pleats, and then it's a lace pattern from there up. And I've had this in my queue for, I think, two years. And I had swatched with my Madeline Tosh Prairie lace weight yarn in the forestry colorway. And because that's a single-ply yarn, it wasn't laying as flat as I wanted it to. It was kind of biasing, and I was already determining in my own head, ah, should I knit it with this yarn or not? And then, oh, the Madeline Tosh lace came into the Swift Stitch and that solved my problem. <laughs> I bought the morning dove and I've swatched with that many times over this last weekend, which you'll hear about in a little while. But that is going to be one of my carry-on projects. So I'll have the Lar cardigan and Christian's hat. And in my suitcase, I have the Anya Shrug by Cecily Glauk McDonald, which I talked about on the last oh, yeah. episode with my Malabrigo Arroyo in the Archangel colorway. That's a sport weight yarn, which I thought, ah, it's kind of a heavyweight yarn to bring, but it's a two-skein project, so <laughs> it's really not much yarn. Yeah. So that's in the suitcase. Candelia. Oh, Little Cardi, also by Cecily Glock McDonald. Also in the suitcase, and I have Madeline Tosh MCN fingering in the ultramarine violet colorway for that, oh, which is the great. most glowing, gorgeous purple you've ever seen. It's like neon purple. And that also has been in my queue for probably at least two years. How long ago did you knit yours? It must be about two years. Yeah, so Lar and Candelia. At least one. Long-term queue items. And I'm also bringing yarn to knit Sothea, the shawl. Oh, yay. Shawl wow. pattern by Robin <laughs> Ulrich. It's a two-color shawl. It doesn't have to be two-color, but most of them are two-color. It's striped from the top down, and then the bottom has a beautiful pleated border with an eyelet edge between yeah. the body and the border. We've talked about it on the podcast before. And Robin Ulrich, the designer, is also the person who gifted me her Catriel shawl pattern and the two skeins of Tosh Merino Light, which I mentioned on the last episode. Oh, so wow. I'm not knitting the Catriel right now, but I'm knitting one of her other shawls. And it's funny that I'm bringing so many projects because in five weeks, I certainly cannot knit all these things. <laughs> and I keep laughing to myself thinking, Gail, why are you bringing so much? But you never know. Isn't it funny how knitters universally do that? We always think that we're going to need it. Yeah. And, and sometimes you do. I mean, it's just the fear of not having it if just in case. Exactly. And I'm also bringing the 5200 sweater, which is in my lap and I'm knitting it right now. But I don't want to bring this on the plane because it's at the part where I have to try it on pretty frequently, which mm -hmm. can't do that so much on the yeah. plane. So that's another project I'm bringing. So enough knitting to last me probably <laughs> through the end of the year, but I'm bringing it for a five-week trip just in case, you know, I get bored with one and want to knit something else yeah. or who knows why. Yeah. I have lots of backup. But It's so fun to pack travel knitting, it is, vacation knitting. The <laughs> amount of space the yarn is taking up in my suitcase is so tiny because they're smaller skeins or lighter weight skeins, yeah. and it's not taking up much space, so yeah. I don't feel like I'm burdening myself with yeah. a lot of yeah. stuff I'm putting It certainly doesn't around. weigh a lot. No. So <laughs> I'm very happy with my packing, which is my stalking for the week. So Yay. there we go. So what are you currently knitting? Just like last episode, I am still 
being extremely loyal to my Laika. And I have finished the body and both sleeves at this point. And I worked on the hood. And as I told Gail last night, my increases and decreases when I looked at the big picture, the big hood, I thought they were there was something wonky about them. And I haven't exactly figured out what it was. I think my stitch marker may have moved or I put maybe I put the stitch marker in the wrong place. I don't know, but I didn't notice it right away. I'm not sure why. I think it must be because I had to look at the big picture to see it because the stitches stitch count looked correct but either way I ripped it out <laughs> and I will be starting that again tonight and that's significant because that hood you knit what like nine inches before and then you ripped it out I mean that's a significant yeah. amount of knitting yeah but it, it I felt like it had to be right because if you if I wear the hood pull the hood up over my head then you have this section middle section where there's a, it's not really a seam, but it is three stitches of stockinette. So it's a faux seam right. almost going up the center of the hood. And along the edges of this faux seam is where your increases and decreases take place. And it has to look right because it's going to be right there on your Visible head. if yeah. you pull the hood up. Yeah. yeah. So I was looking at Gail's hood. And at first I couldn't find her decreases and I kept saying, where are your decreases? How did you work these in? And then I realized that the decreases occur right causing the hood to turn a little bit. So that's why I couldn't see them because they're almost hidden in there. So now I have more confidence. I'm going to go back, knit and knit those correctly this time. <laughs> and it won't be wonky. I was cracking up. And it won't up. be wonky, yeah. I was cracking up to myself at these technical knitting terms. We have wonky, <laughs> we have fiddly, we have, you know, all these little words that most knitters can relate to, but you couldn't necessarily define them to a non-knitter. Couldn't, no. What is wonky? It just doesn't look it right. It doesn't look right, yeah. yeah. Fiddly, it's just kind of difficult. Yeah, and so, you know, when I ripped it out, I actually broke one of my cardinal rules of knitting. Which is? Which is never to rip out after 10 o'clock at oh, night. Oh, yes, that's a good one. I, it's a really good cardinal rule of knitting, and I recommend that to everyone. But this, to me, this error was such that I was confident. <laughs> I would even extend that cardinal rule, not only to don't rip it out after 10 o'clock at night. Never make a major decision yeah, about your knitting that's after a, 10 o'clock at night. That's a good... Yes. For some people, that time has to shift earlier. For some of us, yeah, it can shift later. Exactly. But there is a cutoff. Point. Everybody's got their own witching hour. Exactly. And so mine happens to be about ten o'clock. Yep. Or any decision you make after that, <laughs> the next morning could prove to be very foolish. Right. Yes. I right. get it. <laughs> so, Gail, what are you knitting? Okay. So I think I already mentioned that I'm still knitting the 5200K, which is making me very happy. I am adding a few extra increases to accommodate my larger hips and I'm almost done with the increases at which point I will begin the cool asymmetrical bottom. So I'm almost to that point where I knit back and forth instead of in the oh, round. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited. And I cast on for the lefty shawl, which I talked about in oh, the last yes. podcast, Martina <laughs> Bem. 
I love this thing so much. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how I can express how much I love this shawl. It is the most smile-producing combination of colors for me that I've knit with in a long time. And I've loved all the colors I've used lately, yeah. so that's significant. Well, you get to use them all together. <laughs> yes, and it's so pretty watching it, you know, grow. Yeah. And to recap, the shawl is knit from one point across to the other side, and each subsequent row gets longer. So at the end, I'll be knitting these hugely long rows. So in the beginning, it grows rather quickly. So you have a section of the neutral color, and I'm using the antler color in Air Light by Madeline Tosh. And then you knit one row that ends in a little leaf motif in a contrasting color. And you can do any variation of colors. You could do all one color. You could do several contrasting colors. You could do one contrasting color. Check it out. There are at least 150 items for this shawl already, and it's been out for maybe two weeks. So Air Light in Antler is my main color. Contrasting colors, I'm using Tarte, the deep Madeline Tosh red. I'm using Posy, which is a very warm medium pink. And I'm using Tosh Merino Light in Molly Ringwald, which is a very light pink. So those are the three contrasting colors, which I'm doing Tarte, Posy, Molly Ringwald, Tarte, Posy, <laughs> Molly Ringwald. And it's just a huge smile, giant smile. That's all I can say. <laughs> the other thing I can say is because I've been busy swatching for Lar, I haven't been able to knit on Lefty as much as I want to. I would have loved to be able to bring this on my trip, but oh. not going to happen. So <laughs> it's a lot of yarn to carry around for it one is. project, yeah. too. It's four different balls it's of a yarn. a little fiddly. So, but I'm thinking I will probably do it anyways. <laughs> bring it anyways, because it's so pretty. I just don't want to yeah. leave it at home. Maybe just not. On the airplane, so you don't have to That's deal the thing with I'm trying many. to decide. Do I bring yeah. it or do I put it in my suitcase? Yeah. I really want to bring it, but I don't know. It doesn't seem practical, so we'll see. But those are the two things I'm knitting. Yay. Yay. And have you finished anything since the last episode? Well, I haven't finished knitting anything, but I did finish ripping something out. Yay, <laughs> recycling. So I have another sweater that I am recycling, and I guess I'm getting a bit of a reputation for this. It's it, great. It's, it's kind of funny because I never really thought that it was something I did that much, but I'm finding myself talking a lot about it I think lately. you've done it a lot this year. Yeah, perhaps that's it, because, you know, I was ripping something out the other day, and somebody came up to me and said, oh, you're ripping out another sweater? And they knew exactly what I was doing, so, yeah. Um, but the sweater I am ripping out is an old sweater that I knit way back in 2003, so almost 10 years ago, wow. from some 100% mercerized cotton that was originally purchased from Alon.com, though it is the same yarn as the Taki Cotton Classic that you can find currently, or Butterfly Cotton. And I still have one piece of the sweater to rip. It was a sweater knit in pieces. So I first untook out the seams. Then when I had all the pieces, I started unraveling each piece individually. And I I think I've unraveled three pieces so far, front, back, and one sleeve. And I still have one sleeve to unravel that I just put aside if I need the yarn. Okay. I don't know if I will or not. I've, it looks like I've got 
a lot unraveled and I may need a little bit of it, but you know, unraveling does take time and sometimes you just want to start. <laughs> well, and are you going to be washing and drying this in any special way or are you just going to knit it well, the way it came unraveled? No, I actually soaked the yarn already. Oh, you already did? I did. Wow. Soaked it over the weekend. And that's why it doesn't look kinky. And that's why it doesn't look kinky. Because, okay. you know, when I undid it, it was majorly kinky. It looked ah. looked like that pasta. What's that really kinky pasta? Is ah. it tagliatelle? Okay. I don't. I don't know my Top pastas. Ramen. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually, yes. That's a good. That's a good. Good uh, vi visual. It did look like that. Really, really kinked. And then look at how. Yeah, it looks perfectly straight. It's amazing. Now. Yeah, wow. it's amazing. So all I did was soak it, and then this yarn. I was afraid to spin in the washing machine because it's thinner. I was just afraid that it would tangle. So I did oh, not yeah. spin it. I just squoze, squeezed. <laughs> squoze it? I'm not sure. I can't believe I said that. I squeezed the excess water out and then it was really warm this weekend. So I hung it outside on our clothesline. Perfect. And let it drip onto the lawn and it dried really quickly it dried within a couple of hours nice and then I've left left it hanging for another 24 hours in the house just to make sure that it was totally dry and then balled it up and I'm actually knitting a swatch right now because I'm really anxious to have my black buttercup sweater <laughs> that I have been talking about and a little fixated with and so I'm going to be starting this very soon. Reusing yarn is a good thing. It is a good thing, and it's going to be really pretty. And, and that and, swatch looks really pretty. Yeah. The fabric is nice. And, you know, I just want to toss out there that I actually do give away sweaters sometimes, too. If I have somebody who I know will fit the sweater and will use the sweater, I'm also very happy to give my sweaters away. And but, appreciate the sweater. Yeah. Yes. But this particular yarn I knew would work to use for this sweater and I don't often knit black and since I had the black sweater languishing in the closet I figured I might as well reuse it so in this case it's reuse rather than regift or gift exactly <laughs> How about you? Have you finished anything? I finished one item over this last week. It is called the Cat Knitting Pattern. Oh, so very yes, generic name by Linda Dawkins. It took me approximately two hours start to finish to knit this little cat. And it's about, I don't know, two inches high. He's really cute. Very round and cute. And my son was so inspired by this little knit cat that he asked me to teach him how to knit this weekend. Oh, wow. So that was really cute. <laughs> He was knitting in the round, just practicing around and around and around. And it's going to be a gift for my aunt, whose birthday is coming up in a few days because she is a cat lover. And her cat is gray and white, so I used a little bit of scrap Madeline Tosh vintage in charcoal. Nice. And it used, I didn't measure it. I should have weighed it before I started. And then I stuffed Twelve. it so I couldn't really weigh it again. But very little yarn. Very little. Yeah, I think the I-cord tail yards. probably required more than the whole cat. <laughs> So, again, great little pattern. I think there are less than 20 objects or oh, really? projects in it, which really For surprised me. For such a me. cute little pattern. Exactly. So check it out because it's very versatile, too. When I held it up the other morning at the Swiss Stitch to show everybody, 
the women who couldn't see the tail thought it was an owl. So it could yeah. be a cat or an owl. Well, you could, you could make it into all kinds of different things. You absolutely different could. Different ears, different face, different embroidery, different colors. Mm-hmm. So yeah. super fast, super instant gratification project. Highly recommend it. I really loved it. Thank you, Linda, for another awesome free pattern. I'll put a link to Gail's project photo because it's really cute. Well, I, I strategically <laughs> placed it in some very pretty pansies and took the picture. So the picture is really cute it because is. of the pretty flowers, too. Yeah, so. it is. Okay, so that is the end of our normal segments. Now, one thing we wanted to talk about today is an extension of our first sweater comments in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. So we had the whole segment on first sweater ideas for new sweater knitters. Then last episode, we briefly talked about Under Dutch Skies, also known as Alex in real life, mm-hmm. commented on knitting your first sweater in pieces being a good strategy. And the Ravelry user, not much, K-N-O-T much, made another good comment. She commented on the importance of getting gauge and following the schematic for the pattern. And we didn't have time to mention those aspects of it in our previous episodes. So we wanted to touch on that a little bit. So did you want to talk about the schematic first or did we want to do gauge first? I can talk about schematics because I am a huge fan of schematics. I love my schematics. I know a lot of knitters don't even glance at them, but I find it frustrating when there is not a schematic included in the pattern. I definitely use it. Uh, The first thing that I will use a schematic for is picking my size because especially in the case of, let's say, a long sleeve sweater or a sweater that needs to fit around your waist and your hips, in the case of a longer sweater, I'm, I'm thinking, you want to make sure that it fits everywhere. Right. And a lot of times it's very easy to think, oh, well, I'll just pick my bust size. But depending on your bust size and and your measure, your own unique measurements in terms of um, number size of your chest and then cup size, it might not always be a good way to pick a sweater size by using that same number. And in the case of the Rocky Coast cardigan, it was really important for me to pick a size that fit around my arms because in that case, the arm sizes were smaller than I would have expected. And I found myself recommending to people that they pick a size based on what's going to fit their arms. And again, Hannah has since, since provided then, a yeah, lot for Since that. then, there yeah. has been modifications to because the schematic so the sizing, many people right. have pointed out that the arm sizes didn't necessarily fit them. <laughs> so there has been. But without the schematic, a lot of people, I think, would have picked a size perhaps smaller, knit arms, and then been unhappy with their result because their arms would have been too small. Especially in the case of that sweater because it's a top-down raglan shaping. So if you didn't knit enough raglan increases, Mm -hmm. thus getting the right size for your upper arms, it wouldn't fit properly in your arms even though it fit you in the shoulder Mm -hmm. to underarm area. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of looking at all the measurements of a sweater when picking a size. So I often will look at a schematic, get out my tape measure, put the tape measure around my upper arm, see how that measurement for the particular size that I'm considering is going to fit my upper arm. I'll see how it's going to fit my bust. I'll see how it's going to fit my waist and my hips, if applicable. And any place, let's see, usually I'll check the, if, if it's provided in the schematic, I'll also check the underarm to waist measurement for your decreases and then the waist to bottom of the garment sweater for your increases if if applicable to that particular sweater again. And then schematic is also useful for blocking. Oh yeah. Definitely. When you get your finished piece or pieces ready to well after they've been washed and you're getting ready to sew them together and you're laying them out flat to dry or if you are steaming them and laying them out, you want to make sure that you don't block them too big, too small. So I look at my schematic a lot for that. And then I think a schematic is also good just for gauge spot checks when you're knitting and just all around reality check for me, because when I knit something, I'm pretty famous for panicking in the middle of a garment thinking, is this really going to fit? Is this really going to fit? Because if you're knitting something in the round and it's all bunched up on the needles, it tends to look tiny. Or if you're knitting something in pieces, you just can't tell. Yeah, you can't. So, yeah. yeah. So I get a little panicky. So then I can lay it out, look at the schematic, get out my tape measure, and breathe a little bit. Know (laughs) that I'm probably on the right track. So I love schematics. And I will say that I have, it has been a deal breaker for me for a few patterns that do not have schematics. So that's okay, just something. Okay, so you really use them. And I, I on the other hand, am one of the knitters who doesn't use a schematic very often, <laughs> and I probably should. I think your point, especially because I am smaller on the top than I am on the bottom. So for me, when I pick a sweater size, it's typically based on my bust because I want mm-hmm. the upper part to fit. Right. However, I've become unfortunately, someone who tends toward the bigger size. So often Mm. my sweaters are a little too big on top and more fitted on the bottom. So I could, I think, do something. Often I'm in between sizes is Mm -hmm. one of my problems. So I will try to do enough raglan increases and adjust them for the size I'm aiming for, Mm -hmm. which really worked on the Mm 5200K I found. But then I have to determine, okay, if I'm going to reduce the number of raglan increases to try to get my right size, how does that affect how many increases and decreases I need to do, especially if there's a stitch pattern you need to have a specific number of stitches for. You know, 5200K is all stockinette, so it doesn't matter. Laika, it mattered because you have a lace pattern to maintain. So I think I need to start looking at the schematic more carefully to make sure that, one, it's not too big in the upper part of my body and then Mm -hmm. not too small in the lower Mm -hmm. part. And... I think also just since recording the podcast with you over the last six months or seven months, I've gained more comfort level in modifying patterns as I go. Mm -hmm. So that is very helpful because now I know that things are fitting better, Yeah. especially if I pay closer attention. Yeah. And 
another thing I would mention, because you said that you get out a tape measure and measure yourself before you start a pattern. Measuring yourself with the proper clothes on mm-hmm. is critical because mm-hmm. I often will wear like little, um, the little tank tops that are layering tank tops with a shelf bra, for example. Mm-hmm. And if I t- were to take my measurements in that as a, <laughs> it's like a bird fest going on right above our heads. <laughs> It's cracking me up. Um, If I were to measure my bust when wearing one of those, as opposed to wearing one of my padded Victoria's Secret water bras, (laughs) there's a significant difference. So that's another consideration. If you're measuring yourself, make sure you're measuring yourself wearing the same clothes you would wear when wearing the sweater. Well, and now's a good time just to insert commercial for measuring yourself. Or having a friend do it. Get together with a friend and just do each other's measurements. Get one of those sheets that just has, you know, areas, all the spots that you need. Or even just look at a schematic if you don't have a sheet and see where they show measurements. Write all those down for yourself. Put them in your wallet somewhere so that when you're out and about or put it in your Ravelry notes somewhere or someplace where it's just convenient for you. And then use it. And also remember to redo it every six months yeah. or so. Because, you know, bodies change, shapes change. And it's it's just one of those invaluable tools that we have that a lot of people forget to use. Yeah, it is true. It's a very good tool. I've even had my husband, when I'm in serious doubt, it's like, oh, no, you have to measure across <laughs> my back from shoulder blade to shoulder yeah. blade like for a shrug, yeah. for example. Yeah. And also the value of measuring a sweater or a garment that you like the way it fits you. That's, I was going to bring that up as well, too. When you have a schematic, you can take your schematic, lay your already existing garment down, and measure your garment, and then compare those measurements to the schematic. So that... If somebody says, or if the pattern says, intended to have two inches of ease, for example. Oh, and, and you're not positive really, and negative yeah, ease. And positive ease, yeah. Two, two inches of positive ease, let's say. Which and means it's you, two inches bigger. Right. And, as opposed to negative ease, which would be two inches right. smaller. Right. And yeah. let's say you don't really know what two inches is going to look like. It It's helpful to take a garment that you already know has some positive ease that is bigger than you are and sit down measure that see if you like two inches of positive ease if you like four inches of positive ease if that doesn't you know whatever it is that you like yeah and, ju- and judge we're the laughing because of the birds these birds are insane i don't know what they're doing they're i can see them they're like two pigeons probably like right outside the air vent those are starlings oh is out there they're starlings yeah that's so funny i can't tell if they're arguing with each other or trying to mate or what they're doing but they're having a great old time in there um back to the schematic so if you're so factoring in your ease and also reading the pattern instructions very carefully because normally in the beginning of the pattern they will tell you written with x number of inches of positive or negative ease. So that way you can determine based on the numbers they're giving you how it's going to fit you and if you like that and if you should size up or down accordingly or make any other modifications you need. I like it when patterns do that. I I find a lot of older patterns don't have that information. Mm -hmm. I think it's a newer piece of information that 
designers are including, and it's definitely a move in the right direction towards having their knitters have more Succeed. success with yeah. their patterns. Especially yeah. when they say model shown wearing size yeah. X with yeah. X number inches that is nice. positive it's very yeah. helpful. The it Lara really pattern, helpful. she did that. She said oh, yeah. something to the effect of pattern or model shown wearing this with four inches negative ease or yeah. something like that because it's knit. Lar means light breeze oh, in whatever language it is. I'm not sure what the <laughs> language is. But because it's a lace weight sweater, it's very light. And yeah. she was saying because of the fine yarn you could knit it with a lot of negative ease and wear it that way yeah. so that was important for me with the gauge swatching which is this a good segue into the gauge of a sweater oh well i was just going to mention that one of the things i used to love about the knitting daily newsletters was that they would occasionally take a sweater that had been published in interweave knits and basically walk around the office with it and Design take the gallery. same sweater yep. and put it on employees of different sizes and different body shapes and then how kind these employees were to have their measurements published in this newsletter yeah, exactly <laughs> you know but it was just so nice to see the way one sweater looked on different sizes they i still really do that. oh do they yeah okay. on their, in their um, online newsletter they do and also i think the new knit scene magazine okay i that still just was get released. that newsletter i just haven't noticed it recently in the okay. new knit scene they mm -hmm. have a whole page where one oh, of the sweaters okay. in the issue is on at least four different women maybe six yeah i, I love that it. yeah yeah it's very helpful very very helpful so if you can find one of those features i think that will also help you determine the size and of course the finished objects on ravelry also uh, yeah I mean, women absolutely don't say they're often in their project notes they will say what size they need right. but they don't often but they don't state disclose measurements, measurements all the time yeah. yeah um so yes your segue was great why don't you move into gauge, gauge. <laughs> so gauge is particularly forefront of my mind right now because i seem spent what seemed like all weekend long swatching for lar because it's lace weight a swatch is a longer time investment than normal yeah. for me for example the gauge for the smaller needle size was supposed to be something to the order of 33 stitches and 37 rows over four inches so a lot of stitches in a little swatch and i swatched on madeline tosh prairie and didn't like it got the morning dove swatched on one needle size didn't like it swatched on another needle size still wasn't working and then i decided to knit it in the round so i swatched in the round and that's one of the key pieces of information about swatching. If you're swatching for a sweater that's knit in the round, don't swatch it with a flat swatch as mm -hmm. in you're knitting back and forth because Good a lot point. of people have a tighter gauge when they're knitting in the round than when they knit flat. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing I would say. Having said that, I would also say gauge swatches lie. <laughs> Charlene the other day referred to gauge swatching as voodoo, <laughs> which I think was rather appropriate because think of it this way. If you're painting a room in your house or you're painting the exterior of your house, we typically go to the hardware store and get little paint chips yeah. and you stick them on the side of your house or on the side of the wall and you have this little teeny tiny view of the color on the wall. Well, that's not giving you a very big picture. And often when you paint an entire room in the same color, it may not look quite as nice in the whole wall Such as it did in a little tiny piece on analogy. the wall. So think of your gauge swatch in the same way. Yeah, you can get an idea 
of the color. You can get an idea of the fabric you're going to have in your resulting sweater, but just an idea, because think of this. When you knit a whole sweater, you're increasing that swatch a lot. I don't want to say a hundredfold because I don't know what the exact comparison is. Well, you're going from something that may weigh 20 grams to Just, something that will weigh several hundred grams. Yeah, this, especially depending on the yarn you're using. Yeah. So for example, using a worsted weight yarn, one little swatch is nothing compared to the resulting sweater. Mm -hmm. So the resulting sweater will be heavier, thus it will pull and hang differently, especially depending on the yarn fiber characteristics. So for example, alpaca drapes a lot more than a hardy thick wool might drape. So one would be drapier, one would be substantially firmer, I guess you might mm -hmm. say. Less drapey, obviously. So there are lots of factors to consider. So when you're swatching, don't let that little four by four inch swatch really dictate to you what your end resulting sweater will look like. And swatch bigger if you can. Exactly. <laughs> Swatching bigger and washing your swatch too. Especially super wash wool is so, so common now. And one phenomenon that's well known that I have discovered to my chagrin is you knit this entire sweater, you block it, it's super wash wool, and it grows. It does grow. So that's something to consider as well. The fiber of the yarn you're using research it as much as you can. Look at the yarn on Ravelry. Look at the comments other knitters have provided. I often will even ping different Ravelry people and ask them their opinion on the yarn, ask them how it wore over time, ask them if they enjoyed knitting with it. People are really helpful on Ravelry, so I wouldn't hesitate to do that. If you're curious, it's Before I me. knit my Laika, I was fortunate enough to be able to contact several knitters who had made the same sweater in, in the, the exact yarn yeah. base I was considering. So it's and great. It's great invaluable. Resource. And and they all wrote back within 24 hours, very happy to share information. Exactly. With me, so so don't, great. don't be shy because people are, oh, I've never met a single person through Ravelry who wasn't very helpful yeah. and very nice about it. So overall, gauging is useful or swatching is useful to get oh, your yeah. gauge, but don't rely on it 100%. So Charlene referred to using your schema schematic to verify your gauge, spot check your gauge. That's another really good idea because, for example, if you've knit half of your sweater, you could actually put your sweater on a hanger and measure your gauge with the sweater hanging up to get an idea of if that weight of the sweater is going to change your row gauge, for example. Mm -hmm. And then you could adjust accordingly. Oh, okay, look, it actually stretched my row gauge out a little bit, so I'm actually going to do more or fewer increases and decreases accordingly. So I don't know how much help that little <laughs> ramble was about gauge swatching, but well, there's just a lot to consider, and you can't yeah. rely on it 100% to determine your finished size. And right, such. and you mentioned row gauge, and I just want to say row gauge is one of those things that knitters really have a lot of grief over in my experience because you do make that swatch and so many times you get your um, stitch count but your row gauge is off and it's really hard to get that accurate on a little piece of fabric as compared to the big sweater. That happens to me all the time, yeah. it drives me nuts. Like yeah. with the lar that I'm swatching yeah. now, I cannot get the yeah, row gauge. Yeah, because it never will be exactly the same 
without the weight. Yeah, and then do you block it out? Or, you know, there are so many considerations for that, too. And then if you're swatching, look at the pattern, and the pattern is going to state somewhere, if it's a good pattern, what your gauge should be so that you can swatch. Mm -hmm. And you can experiment with your needle sizes because typically the pattern will say this many stitches in this many rows over a four inch or 10 centimeter square. And it will tell you the recommended needle size, but all of us knit differently with different tension. So you're going to have to experiment with the number or size of needle to get the gauge required in the pattern. And then again, wash the swatch. And depending on the pattern, if it's a lace pattern, for example, like Laika, there were instructions on how to swatch properly. So in other words, because it's a lace pattern, you Mm -hmm. blocked your swatch, which is very important because if you didn't block that swatch and measured it unblocked, you're going to get a hugely different result. So pay attention to the instructions for swatching for any given project because they do vary based on the designer and the pattern, etc. So it can be really helpful just to spend a little bit of time researching the right way to swatch for a particular Mm -hmm. object. And Gail jokingly said that I referred to swatching as voodoo. And yes, I do. But don't use that as as an excuse not Not to swatch. Not to swatch, yes. Because even though all these things have been true in our knitting experience, you still glean invaluable information from that swatch that you would not have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm sitting here and even though I've knit in this yarn previously, I'm still swatching for my buttercup. So I still swatch and I still find swatching very important and I always recommend it. I do too because you get a lot of information from the swatch. For example, do you like the fabric? Mm-hmm. So if it feels too tight and stiff, are you yeah. going to like that in a sweater? Right. Does it feel too right. loose and open? Are you right. going to like that in a sweater right. or any kind of object you're knitting? Mm-hmm. It's like Charlene said, just because it's not always a hundred percent accurate or you don't always get exactly the information you may need. You do get a lot of information. That's mm-hmm. very helpful. Yeah. And the bigger the swatch you can do, if you're willing to spend the time to do it, <laughs> the more information you're going to learn Absolutely. about the yarn, yeah. about the pattern, Etc. You can learn a lot of things. For example, oh, I don't know what all this means, and I'm going to ping the designer yeah. and ask her some questions. Yeah. Because, of course, you should always read the pattern from beginning <laughs> to end before you begin knitting. Didn't actually say that, but you should. And I think also this supports Alex's comment regarding knitting a sweater in pieces. Because, like you said, with the schematic and everything, you can really measure your gauge mm-hmm. in pieces better, I think, than you can in a sweater knit from the top down because Mm -hmm. a sweater piece doesn't weigh as much as a whole sweater, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So a lot of considerations. Hopefully some of those were useful. Yes, and call me crazy, but I actually enjoy swatching. I'm one of those knitters who (laughs) enjoys swatching. I really do. Swatching is just one of those. It's so easy to do that how can I not enjoy it? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> for me it's just the time thing yeah. I'm so impatient and compulsive I'd much rather just cast on a project but I've learned the hard way that that's really not a smart thing to do so I do take the time to swatch yeah. even though sometimes I swatch and think why did I bother it didn't even matter but you do learn things yeah, regardless you do. you do. so there goes our ongoing saga yeah. of first sweaters and things you can learn and you'll so hear and so more forth. about this there's always more to learn always more to discuss so as always Ask questions. 
or post your comments. It doesn't mm -hmm. even have to be a question. It can just be a rebuttal even. It's great because yeah. it makes us think outside of our normal comfort mm -hmm. zone. So mm -hmm. we appreciate all of it. All right, one quick update on the knit along. Again, my good friend Louise donated three skeins of yarn, hand spun by Lunitz. One is called Red Myrtle. It's 70% Shetland, 30% silk. Beautiful. One is Peaches at the Lake. It's 100% Corydale wool. It's also beautiful. And the third one is called Baby Blues. It's 50% Blue Face Luster, 30% Baby Alpaca, and 20% Tussa Silk. So these are nice skeins of yarn, you guys. Mm -hmm. Pictures, you can see the pictures at the top of the knit along thread and the finished object thread. And again, Alana Dacos, the fabulous designer and co-author of Coastal Knits and Coastal Knit Kids, and also the hostess of the Never Not Knitting podcast, generously donated a copy of Coastal Knits, which we've talked about on the podcast before. That's where you will find the Rocky Coast cardigan we just mentioned in today's episode. And she donated the four pattern kit of Coastal Kids, which are Yay. the smaller versions of four of the sweaters in Coastal Knits. So thanks again, Alana. And to Eviston Michelle, Michelle, who donated the skein of Wolmiza yarn that is in the prize pool as well. So far, we have three finished objects as of today's recording. Two new ones this week. One was by Charlotte, known as KnitRite30. She finished a beautiful shawl. And Tammy, who is HP Seeker 4, she also finished a shawl, and she also is the Indie Dyer Candy Skein. And her shawl was knit in her candy skein fingering, which is really pretty. I already went and stalked her site. It's really pretty yarn. So thank you everybody who's participating. Thank you for the great comments. Keep posting your in-progress pictures, please, because they inspire us all. I love to see all the pretty in-progress colors and shapes and sizes and see how you're doing. And people have asked questions and gotten great help from other people participating. So I'm having a great time with it. Thank you very much for participating because I'm just having a good time. <laughs> and I think Charlene is too, even yes. though she thought initially it would be obligation yeah. knitting. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for spending an hour of your week with us. We hope to catch you on the next episode. Have a good week and we'll see you next time. Bye. You can find us on iTunes at Yarniacs Podcast. Visit our blog with show notes at yarniacs.com. We have a growing Ravelry group, and you can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs. Goodbye and good knits! <laughs>